I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I am joined by Denny McCarthy, PGA Tour player. Uh, Denny is fresh off a career year on the PGA Tour. I think he finished 37th in the FedEx Cup. He had a top 10 at a major, uh, a slew of other top 10s on the PGA Tour in the calendar year. Uh, Denny played golf at Virginia and uh, just someone I've gotten to know through the years on tour and really enjoyed the conversation uh, about improving at the PGA Tour level. His putting, which is truly world-class, league of his own putter, uh, and then a little bit on live and the future of the PGA Tour. Uh, before we get to Denny, real quick, we have a Labor Day sale going on in the Fried Egg Pro Shop. It is 15% off everything. It is automatically applied at checkout. So go in there if you're looking for some new gear, new hat, t-shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, layers for the fall, as well as print photography. So you know if you're if you're looking to dress up your office or a uh, room in the house or wherever it may be, check out our print photography. And without further ado, here is Denny McCarthy. What's, uh, what's up with you? How have you been? Uh, I've been good. I, uh, I'm just back down in Florida. I live in Jupiter. Um, after BMW took like five or six days off and then, uh, really got back into it the last four or five days. Are you playing Napa? I am playing Napa. Yeah. It's a place, uh, place I haven't played well, but I I feel like I'm just due there for a lot of good things to happen. I've I think I've played there four times and I haven't made the cut there before. Um and it, theoretically it should be a good place for me. Um my coach took a job at a place called Shooting Star in Jackson Hole yeah. this summer. Have you have you heard of that place? Uh-huh. It looks unbelievable. So he he works 7 or 8 months down in Boca at Pine Tree here and then he took this job this summer. So I'm actually going out next week to play in a, their pro member called the dusty boot. And I'm going to get some work in with him. Uh, and then I'm going to go straight from there to Napa. So awesome. I'm looking, I'm looking forward probably to, I'm looking forward to Jackson hole more than I am, uh, going to Napa, but it'll be a nice, uh, be nice to see him and get dialed in before I go out there. Uh, coming like, so we'll just get into it since we're already going, but, um, Coming into this year, obviously you had the best year of your career. Do you does it? Do you feel different going into the season? Like, are you more excited, or is there is there a different mentality you feel like after you know falling just short of East Lake this year and having the best year of your career? Do you do you go into this week a little bit different? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I was a little disappointed and deflated with how I kind of ended my year, but that didn't last very long. Like honestly, a day or two after I'm like, I'm I'm ready to like get back into it. I'm excited where my game is at. I keep getting better every year. 
Um, and I'm seeing some, some really nice improvements. Um, you know, like I'm able to, I'm able to compete on big, hard golf courses and, and, and I can hit it well enough to where I can put myself in contention at these big places, which I can't necessarily say about my game two or three years ago. So I love that aspect. I love that I can, you know, more weeks than not, I feel like my game is ready to compete and win tournaments. Um, it, what's crazy, I have such an appreciation for the top guys because so many of those guys do that every time they play, which is just like people don't understand how hard that is to do. Um, like some of these guys are just machines. Like they're just nonstop, always there, always playing good golf, which is incredible. It's really hard to do. And I, I you know, that's kind of the next step is kind of just, even when my, even when I'm not on, like, even when my, you know, th these guys bad, like when they don't play a great round, they still manage to somehow shoot a couple under, and then they'll come out and shoot seven under the next day. They, when they have their stuff. Um, so I think I I'm excited because my game is that it, it just, I feel like I keep getting better. Um, I've been knocking at the door a few times and I I'm just excited to put myself in contention and, and just keep trying to win golf tournaments. And once I, once I get that first win, I think that'll be a nice relief where I can just kind of just freewheel it and keep going. It seems like uh, putting together a tournament and at every level, you see it like at the Corn Ferry Tour level, you see it at the tour level, is there are certain guys that it's like there's almost like always nine holes where there's going to be like you're going to struggle for a period of your four rounds when you're playing well. And it's like the guys that turn 71, uh, 71 into 69, that's the big difference, right? For sure. And usually that happens, you know, early in the week. Like there, there could be a stretch where you make the cut, but like, man, you, you really could have put some, put some, you know, put yourself in a really good position by shooting three or four under or a couple under on that nine holes. Instead, you shoot a couple over, uh, when guys were, you know, say you make a bogey, a, a bogey on an easier hole and guys are just birdie in that hole. Like you feel like you, you lose something for sure. I had that happen a couple of times this year where I didn't really feel like I played all that bad. Um, like I, there are a couple of times where I played a really good front nine, really clean. Um, and then, either like a three putt or just a slight change in the momentum. And I tried not to let it affect me. Um, I feel like I did a pretty good job of it, but, but, but things like there are a couple different times where it just, it, I couldn't get myself back in that rhythm that I had on the front nine. Uh, and I, I can't quite get the putts to fall on them. Maybe shoot a couple over on that back nine. And it's just like, man, I was so close to getting just like, just totally out of my own way today and totally just being locked in and, some, I mean, that happens. It's, and, and it's when you play consecutive weeks in a row and you're making the cuts and you're playing four rounds a week, like it's, it, it can be easy to slip up for that, for that little bit of time. You know, that's what, I think that's what the top, like I mentioned, the top guys are just machines. Like you look at like Patrick Cantley, like when he's playing well, like he doesn't really have that many slip ups. He's literally just like laser focus. You know, he didn't even I feel like he didn't even really play that great at East. Like he, 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 from what I saw, it seemed like he was just missing a lot of really good looks, but he was still like right there. Like, okay, it's fine. I'm going to miss, I missed that look, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to give myself that's like a similar look on the next hole. And like, he just keeps doing that and doing that and, do, and doing that and like overcoming how deflating it could be. So like watching somebody like that, you, you can learn something, you know, like 
And this guy just doesn't let that affect him. He's totally unflappable. Like he just keeps going and going. How much do you think of that is consistently getting yourself into those moments, like getting yourself in, in the mix where do you think it's so, so much of it is a confidence thing? I, I do. Yeah. I do think that's part of it. Experience. Um, there's a learning curve to it for, for sure. I also think just, I, I really like where my game and swing is. I think, um, at times, yeah, I can, I tend to get a little fast, which causes a few bad tendencies to maybe creep into my swing a little bit. And it seems like some of those guys keep it really even keel or even the guys that let it out, like say like Rom, for instance, like he, he's emotionally, like he likes to like get it out and then he, and then he uses it to almost fuel him. So it's like, you just got to find what works for you in, in those situations. For me, I think it's, I'm pretty upbeat walker. I, I like, I, I walk fast. Like I don't even notice it, but then like, I like will watch myself on like some, a video somebody took, or if I see like a replay and I see like the clip of me, I'm like, man, I'm walking so fast. So, <laughs> and I know I'm like probably breathing fast too. So for me, I think it's just, just staying, staying, a, feel like I'm maybe moving just half a second slower here or there. Um, try and calm it down. It's, I think everybody else, everybody has their own kind of, you know, what what's the best thing to kind of keep me in this round or keep me in the moment everyone has their own thing it's you what you brought up earlier about like how sometimes it's just like a three putt takes you out of that like i've noticed so much with my own personal game it's like bad tee shots almost always follow three putts and it's just like that little unsettling and what you're saying like it could be just you speeding up like a half click um because yeah. you're a little you know hot after a mistake and and that's the little thing that just gets you out of that really nice flow that you had going through the whole round right for for sure and uh, i can think of two different examples where i didn't feel like my thought process was that different but but the rounds went totally different ways and one was the u.s open the final round i got off to a great start made some pars on like i was three under through five and then parred like six seven eight and I hit two really good shots on nine and three putted. And I was, I was livid because I felt like I should have shot four or five under on that nine. And I just turned in two under after getting off to a hot start. Like I went from like putting a lot of pressure on those guys and seeing my name and so just kind of like drifting back a little. Um, and I, I totally let it go. Like I got back in my mindset, like 10 a really hard hole at Brookline. And I got up and I piped a drive, hit a, just smashed a seven iron right at it and almost made the putt. And then I just continued to like string along good holes after that. I didn't like, I, I shot even on the back, but like I played the quality of golf that I played on the front nine to shoot, you know, a couple under, uh, and put myself, you know, right there in the mix. And unfortunately I didn't do that, but I was giving myself the looks and at least chances to do that by kind of just, and then. Memphis a couple weeks ago, like same thing, final round, played great, three putted on nine. I, I was like four under through seven or eight, three putted on nine, hit a good three wood off 10, which I thought was staying short of this bunker, gets a terrible lie, skull it out, and almost make birdie. And then the next hole, 11, can be dicey. The wind was switching all over. Did I, maybe didn't make a fully committed swing I, it, I i was just trying to hit a nine iron in the middle of the green pulled it a little hit a sprinkler head and goes like over the over the water like in pine straw it was just like i didn't feel like things changed that much but when you go like 
then I had like a really stressful shot to try and save a bogey or double. And then it's just like, like my, I tried to calm myself down, but it's hard to do in the, in that time. Like you, you played a very stress-free front nine and then you hit like all these, like just didn't feel like I hit that bad of shots, but then I'm like going through like a stressful 10th and 11th hole. And it's just like, it just kind of just takes you out of the nice rhythm. It's hard to like get back into, okay, fairway, green, make a putt or hit a good putt. Like it, it's hard to get back into that rhythm. Uh, the U.S. Open, great event for you. Obviously, shooting 68-68 on the weekend, you moved up a ton. But it was kind of part of a, a really good stretch of golf for you. You had that. You had the Memorial. You finished fifth in. And then you had John Deere a couple of weeks later that you finished sixth in. Was there... Was there a moment leading into that that stretch of golf that something clicked? Like, what? It, explain, you know, like, it, did you just get, you know, what happened in, in those weeks? That's a, good, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like I was putting a lot of work in. Um, I believe the stretch before that was like, uh, it was like Wells Fargo where I played well. The weather was disgusting. Like, that was my hometown event, and I put in a lot of prep and work that went into that week. Like, I, I mean, I, I got to Maryland on like Saturday, I played nine holes, like nine Sunday, nine Monday, nine Tuesday, nine Wednesday. And I was like, even though I played that course a bunch, like I just wanted to get really good prep in. Um, the weather was awful on the weekend and me being a average length hitter, it just played really super long for me. And I got Rory behind me flying it 40 behind me and he's hitting a nine iron in and I'm hitting a, like a, I'm like deciding between a chippy cut four or like a, or a hard draw five. And he's deciding between a, 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 a full bore wedge or nine iron. It just became a little difficult on the weekend. Um, but that, that preparation and that week, that, that place has a lot of hard golf shots and I was able to hit a lot of them under tournament tournament conditions. Um, and then it went to like, I got into the PGA as an alternate, and got some good prep in there, even though I like wasn't in until Bryson pulled out on Wednesday night. Um, and then colonial the next week, both like Southern Hills and colonial, both windy conditions, ball strikers, golf course. I like playing in the wind. I like, I like, I feel like I have good control just living down in South Florida. You have to be able to control your ball and those 20 mile an hour winds. And so I feel like I was playing some good golf, controlling my ball, just wasn't really getting that, you know, that many great scores out of it. And then we went to Memorial where it wasn't that windy. The first few days were firm, but not that firm. Um, it was just like, finally, like, I just felt like at peace. I feel like, like I wasn't playing in these brutal conditions where I'm hitting, you know, stingers, keeping it low, even though I like playing that style of golf, it was just like, like, I don't know. It was a course that it, I, I felt like I could play well at um, if I just hit the ball in the fairway especially since, especially the way my iron game has been trending. Um, and I was able to put together uh, a handful of really good rounds. I putted really well the first few rounds that week. And so it, it's hard to say like exactly when it's going to come, but like I had been putting in some really good like prep and hard work at the tournaments leading up to that. And um, I don't know, I just felt kind of at ease. And it's like, I feel like once I have one of those kind of events, like, I'm like, okay, my game is good. I can compete on like a big, hard golf course with the top guys. And like that, that was a big confidence boost for me, especially going into US o the U.S. Open. Um, and obviously played well there too. I mean, it was a, that was a fun stretch of golf. It's something that I would 
like I said about the top guys, like I'd like to do that more often than just popping up, you know, for, you know, a month stretch at a time and then kind of fading away. I'd like to be there. I'd like to be there more often. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, Obviously, looking at at your career and, and your your game and and you know with the with the stats like contending at the memorial that's like a traditionally place where it's it's the best ball strikers and I think you know obviously it, I I'd love to hear about the incremental improvement you're you're. I mean, I don't, I don't want this to sound hyperbolic, but I, you know, when you look at your statistical profile, like you're, you're the best putter in the world, <laughs> which is, uh, <laughs> it's just a crazy, you know, like I, you know, you look at it and it's like, it's nuts. Um, how have you gone about incrementally improving your other aspects of your game without, you know, with, you know, one of the things I think across life, whether any profession, if you go and try and improve something that maybe is a little bit of a weakness, sometimes your strength diminish. How have you gone about incrementally improving your, your ball striking without losing your, you know, your, your talent? Yeah, I think, uh, I've always had really good hand eye. Um, so, you know, shooting a basketball darts, cornhole, like ring toss, ping pong, putting, like I, I put all that like in, in the same category. Like I don't lose, I don't, I feel like I don't lose my hand-eye ability. Like I feel like I can, even though I, I'm, I still put in a little work on my putting, but I feel like I can leave it untouched for you know a little bit at a time, and and kind of just I come back and I have a 15, 20 minute session, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like say I haven't putted in four or five days. I'm like, yeah, I just got got my feel back, and it's just like riding a bike. So like it's nice that I don't need to like spend hours and hours in a bent over posture putting. Um, especially since once I get on the course, my process is actually pretty simple. Like I just, I, I pick spots and I line my ball up at those spots. So can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think about speed at all? Yes. It's factored into kind of what I'm seeing with the spot and yes, it's, it's factored in. I'm not like, I'm not people ask me that. Yes. Like, why am I such a good putter? Because I have a really good feel. My speed is really good. And I, and I read the greens very well. That is, that is why I, I putt very well most times because I, I've played golf for almost 30 years. Well, I've probably played for 25 or six years and a lot of trial and error and reading greens and seeing things and kind of just, I've got just so much data on all the putts I've ever hit and what they look like to my eye. So I, feel like I've formulated a, a good system for reading greens and then I have good touch and feel where I'm kind of taking that into account when I'm picking my spots. Mm-hmm. It sounds all like very complicated, but like, it's very simple when I get out on the course. Like, I'm just like, I just, I, I've try and find spots or things that stick, stick out to my eye that I can use, uh, in reading the putt. Are they spots close? Or are they far? Uh, like what is it a mixture? You, it's a, it's a mixture. I'd say more times than not, it's kind of halfway halfway through the putt. It could be maybe you know fifteen feet away, but more times than not, it's somewhere in the middle of the putt. Whether it's a ball mark, a piece of sand, a blade, of, like like a shade of grass, like you know, like a there could be like a dark shade and like a light shade. Like I'm gonna go like a ball or two into that light shade of grass. Like it's just anything that kind of sticks out where I see it, it could potentially be going. So it's, yes, it's, it sounds complicated, but if, if I were here showing you what I was, what I was doing, you'd be like, you'd be like, yeah, I mean, I get that. Like I see that spot and I kind of see like what you're talking about. That's, that's generally how I think about putting. 
But one of my biggest issues is like when I look down at the ball, sometimes I lose my spot. Yeah, so that's why I I I I draw the line on my ball, but I don't use the full line when I'm like have a bigger breaking. Like I'll use more of the full line closer in on less breaking putts. But once I, the farther I get away and the more it breaks, I actually tilt my line down. I wish I had a I wish I had a ball here to show you, but uh, I tilt. I do have a ball actually. Give me one second. <laughs> it's one of my hole in one balls. Oh wow. How many hole ones do you have? Uh, this was one I made in the second round of the players. It was on a shelf over here in my in my family room. Uh, so you can see it's not like a huge doesn't go it goes less than halfway around the ball. So farther away I get it, I'll tilt my line down. So what I'm seeing what I'm seeing when I look over top is barely just like the end of this. So if I were putting this way. I would basically just be looking at like the top of the line like that. So I've kind of pointed it down towards my, at my spot. But when I gotcha. get over the ball, I'm not so like line obsessed. Like I'm not seeing the whole line. So I'm not like the, the very end of the line is, is kind of point. So like, I'd be lining it up. That's what you would see if you were like on the whole side, but I see, I, I look over it and I see that basically. Mm-hmm. So I see a little bit of the line. It's pointed at my spot. And then that way I'm not like super obsessed with the line. I know it's pointed right, like right near the spot. And then I can kind of play with it over top. Like, okay, maybe that, that feels maybe a touch low. Maybe I'll mark it real quick and just like move it a little higher or like, it's pretty good. And then from there, it's all like, okay, like now just now I'm, I'm looking at the hole and just kind of dialing in the speed that goes with that line's got to help you with your body, getting your body set, right? Correct. And I, this is what I, I do, the tiger gate drill before I find like a five-foot putt. I put my putter down, the tees in between, and I'm lining up my ball um, and everything. I'm, I put an alignment stick down too. This is the only really putting drill I use, but I try and get everything pretty square. The more square everything is, the more my body's just going to want to swing on that line. Um, I have a tendency to sometimes open my feet. I think most right-handers or most golfers tend to get open stance with their putting, which is fine. Uh, for me, that just tends, sometimes I get a little swipey, the more open I actually get, the more I want to, the more I actually want to leak, uh, leak left to writers. Um, so actually like sometimes I practice a drill where it's more so for my left to writers, cause I have a tendency, um, to open up and kind of leak them a little bit. So I think everybody I can relate say, to that. I, I know it's, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a hard putt sometimes. I mean, it's a, it's one that you want, you have to, you feel like you pick a high line, you got to commit to it. Sometimes you feel like it can be too high and then like you can just like push it down and then that's when it leaks. It's everyone can relate to it. Obviously. Sometimes I feel like in practice, I like close my stance a little bit and almost feel like I'm just like, covering the putt basically not it's not it's that's kind of the the term i use but when i get more square to those left riders i feel like i can cover it more and make a make a better stroke on it where i'm kind of compressing the ball more instead of kind of letting it just like come off my face i'm actually giving it a nice compression to it it's kind of just a couple of the terms i use putting to me is is fascinating i i was curious about the speed thing because i i always like i I feel like I've I've caddied enough of my life. I've played enough in my life that I never 
I, if I walk around the hole and I look at the putt, intrinsically, I know how hard to hit the putt, right? I don't yeah. need to, you know, it's not something I need to think about. Somebody doesn't need to tell me it's uphill or downhill or it's fast. Like, intrinsic, and I, I always use this term, I always use this analogy is like, do you think Steph Curry comes across half court and is thinking about like, hey, I'm 37 feet away from the hole or 37 away, uh, feet away from the hoop. I need to throw it this hard. Like, no, he just knows, he how, just knows how to shoot exactly. the ball, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's you know, what's crazy? Like, he he probably knows, and this is what, like, analogy that I would, like, tag along that. Like, he knows if he's probably running faster and stops on a dime, he probably doesn't need to, like, shoot it as hard. But if you're, but if you're, wa- if you're walking and you're kind of just, like, and you're walking into that shot, you probably need to use more power. But if you're going into it with like a jog, like a jog, you know how like guys mm-hmm. will pull, like will be on fast break and they'll pull up from like the three point line. Like, I think that's a hard shot because then you're like jumping up forward and like you need to shoot it softer. But as opposed to like, if you just were just there for like a set three, somebody passed you the ball, you need a little more effort and energy. It's like the same, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, I mean, that's a, that was a good analogy you brought up. Like, I don't know. He does not, He's not like, this is 38 feet. I need to shoot this this hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why I always think about it. And like the, you know, I stopped thinking about speed and all of a sudden I got way better at putting because like I didn't freak myself out about like uphill, downhill. Um, did you play a lot of sports growing up? I did. Yeah, I played. I, I've used uh, I played basketball through high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have a like a half court sport court in my backyard that I that I go uh, jay it up on every now and then. It's a nice way to kind of, it's a nice way to stay active and still like get a sweat in without like maybe going to the golf course. And if you have like a couple off weeks, like I like to just go like run around and be a crazy person out there and, and, and shoot hoops, like something I always loved. And honestly, it was probably my first love before golf. Like I, I, I would just wish I, I'm, me being five eight, the basketball was never really going to happen. I mean, maybe if I was like six five, it would have been a more realistic dis- discussion. But yeah, I, I loved loved basketball. I played all the way through high school. Uh, I loved baseball too. I played I played pitcher and and like short and third. Uh, I can throw a ball really hard, and sometimes actually when when I do something stupid on the golf course instead of uh instead of now yelling a, a cuss word or something i will just like crow hop off the side of the green and throw a ball into the woods really hard <laughs> uh which which uh it's it, me it's just like all right i got i got that off my i got the i got that out now now i can just go play golf again now for a quick word from our sponsor Riomar. So Riomar is back. Uh, they have been a longtime partner of the Fried Egg and the Shotgun Start, and they make wonderful shoes. They are shoes that you can dress up for occasions or dress down. They are great shoes that are super convenient. They are slip-on. They have uh, they have the deck drivers, which are slip-on shoes that are that are perfect for when you're in a pinch. You just need a pair of shoes to throw on, but also 
nice shoes to wear with slacks and you know a button down at a uh, you know a business casual function so Riomar, the thing that's unique about these shoes is that they have bearings that are customizable they are interchangeable so you could buy a pair of shoes in a couple different styles of bearings and change them out and they're kind of like getting new shoes and the one thing that i value the most about these shoes is uh they're the antimicrobial i believe they call it uh, it basically does. They don't smell. I've had a pair for two years. I have another newer pair, but I have had a pair for two years, and they do not smell at all. Uh, they uh, and I think that's something that happens with shoes that you wear without socks. So go to RealMarsShoes.com and use the promo code TFE for fifteen percent off your order. That's RealMarsShoes.com. Use the promo code TFE, uh, and you'll get fifteen percent off your order. Thank you, Riamar, and now back to Denny McCarthy. So you didn't specialize into golf until like college, probably. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I knew like early in high school that I, you know, I was early on in high school that I was probably going to be going to college to to play golf, and I got a lot better at golf my like junior year of high school. Going into senior year, that's kind of when I was getting into all those. AJGAs, the Invitationals. I, I won a lot of stuff in Maryland locally, and then I took it to the AJGA stage, if you will, and was competing right away with you know Spieth and JT, and um, you know I won a big, I won the Junior PGA that summer, which was my biggest tournament I'd ever won against all those guys. So, and those guys were ranked. I think I I touched touched number one in the world ranking junior wise for for a week or two there. Um, I was playing some really good golf that summer. So that's kind of the time where I knew like, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm obviously doing this college and you know, that's kind of when I started thinking about that's this is probably what I'm going to do as a, as a career. It's turned out pretty good so far. I haven't, haven't quite kept pace with, with, uh, JT and speed. Those guys Our our 2011 class is a lot of, a lot of talent in that class. I'm sure. I mean, guys talk about it all the time about the 2011 class. I was kind of like on the, uh, underrated side of it, I, I guess, if, if you will. Uh, my process has taken a little bit longer than some of those other guys, but um, I'm still, I'm still there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that one of the things I find the most fascinating about golf versus, like, say, basketball is like, you know, you knew LeBron was going to be, you know, our, one of the best players in the NBA when he was 16 years old, and I think one of the neat things about about golf is that improvement and who's the best at 13 isn't necessarily going to be the best at 16 and who's the best at 18 isn't going to be the best at 23 who's the best at 23 might not be the best who's at 30 like there's this non-linear um improvement it, it it's a it's a sport that's incredibly hard to get better at right yes it is and that's like that's why it's like this game is totally perfect for me because if you knew me like i'm i'm super competitive like I'm always trying to find ways to get better at all the games I mentioned earlier, like darts, cornhole, like coming up with, I came up with a new cornhole method, like a couple months ago that I absolutely love. Like, you know, the pros, they like flick it in the bag, yeah. you know, spin sideways. I actually like hold it by the corner. Oh, and, I've and seen people and, and backspin it that way. And my, like, I feel more in more control than my cornhole shot than ever before. And just like you said, this this game is really hard to keep improving on but like that's like 
that's what drives me is like finding little ways to like get better at things like whether it's cornhole or darts or shooting a basketball or or like in my golf game in my golf swing like I'm always like to me that's what drives me is like trying to get better like all the results and stuff and and yes we get to do it for a living and we're playing for a ton of money which is like amazing but that's not like I'm not playing for the money like I'm I'm I really truly love the game and I really want to try and get better at it and like and then everything else just comes along with it's just a byproduct of just getting better and like that's kind of how I have always looked at it so what have been the little hacks that you've figured out to improve your ball striking? Because I think that's been the biggest thing that's that's taken you from, you know, uh, you know, kind of like middle tier tour player to this year. You were in the upper upper probably six of tour players, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we were that was the original question I think you were getting at when before we went on this like 20 minute uh, sidetrack. But now we're back to the point. Uh so I started working with, uh, my coach, Brian Cregan, like a year and a half ago. Um, I had known him. He's at, he's at shooting star this summer. I told you about shooting star this summer. He works at pine tree down here. And I had known him for probably five years before I started working with him. And I had had a couple buddies that were, you know, minor league players or mini tour guys seeing him down here. And he worked with, you know, some club pro guys like Ben Pollins and Jared Hack. And um, so I went to him just like super lost after like, I, I just played the West Coast, just got eaten up by like Tory and and Riv and all these hard ball striker places where like, I just didn't feel like I had much of a like, I just wasn't hitting it good. I didn't have like a clear thought. I was kind of lost. And I went to after the West Coast, I went to him. I'm like, we've known, I've known you for a while. I've heard like, I've heard you help, you know, these guys, like, I'd like to just come like, see you and like, talk about things. And like our first lesson went great. His kind of philosophy is he is very smart with like the anatomy of the body and how the body is supposed to like move and load. And so literally everything we've talked about is, is, is like nothing about like what the club is doing, which is crazy because I've never really thought of golf swing like that. Like I'm literally only focusing on how my body is, is, is moving, how I'm engaging my core and how I'm using my foot pressure in the backswing and how I want my, my have pressure in my feet, but mobility in my ankle to turn and like things that I would like never thought about, but it was, a way that was really helpful to me because I'd never thought about it before. It just, it felt simple. He's like very smart, but he dumbs it down to keep it simple for me. And so if I'm able to kind of load the backswing, how I want to, I'm then able to kind of get push off, get pressure into the left and kind of turn and swivel. Like when I do this stuff, right. I feel powerful and I'm, I'm much more efficient with how I'm using my body and, and I can get more speed with it. I feel like that's how coaching's changed the most, most, right? Like when, yeah. when we, we were kids, it was like video and here's, you know, your club needs to be out here. And it's like, it's not like now it's more, how does the body and how does the body move to get the club to those positions? Like if the body moves, right, the club's going to move the way you want it to move. Right. Exactly. And I, I think, 
and right after we did this, you know, I, I played at like, I finished like 24th at Bay Hill. And like, that was with shooting four. I shot like four over on Sunday and, and didn't move. Like I entered the day 23rd and shot four over and finished 24th. Like it played that hard, but like I, I played, I played well, like this was the first tournament after seeing him. And then the week, the week later, I was like second to last group of the players going into the weekend. Like I played great. This was there. Here's the whole one ball show. This was like two or three weeks after working with him. Like I was like striping it, like everything felt really good. And then I finished like third at Honda after that. Like I went on like a really good stretch of golf just with in working with him in just a short time. Like I had a much clearer picture. And I think I kind of, the stuff that I'm doing like requires, like it's forced me to get in the gym more honestly to get my to get my body stronger bigger to to be able to do like the stuff that we're trying to work on more efficiently and i've done i think i found a good program routine um good exercises to help enforce this this year which kind of you know i've played all these places i'm more comfortable i'm more comfortable with my swing i'm getting stronger like all these things kind of just kind of like came together to like pl start playing some like really good golf. And I think I have a good process of where, you know, I, I think I can be doing this for a long time and really successfully. So I'm excited about, you know, how these things worked this year. And I'm excited and like continuing to evolve my process, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. How, uh, how have you changed your scheduling with, with, where you play over over the years has that has have you added do you are there places you avoid places that you know you should go to like is it is that something that has uh evolved as you've been on tour yeah like sanderson farms i love sanderson farms like that's a great golf course for me i will always play that tournament there, there's a there's a bunch of tournaments um like for instance tory pines i as much as I love Tory, like the, I think the property is amazing. I think San Diego is awesome. Uh, probably not the best place for me. One, because it's, you do need to hit a great and it doesn't really favor uh, a great putter. Like I struggled actually the last time I played there a year and a half ago, I struggled with, with my putting like more so than I have at any other place. Maybe, maybe Monterey Peninsula when, before you could tap down spike marks, that's the, the Monterey Peninsula is like my, <laughs> like, I'm never coming back to this place. And then they changed the spike mark. Well, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go back and play and play pebble. <laughs> Cause if you play Monterey on the third day and your last off or something like I was the year I played it, I'm like, it was like one of the most confident shattering, like putting experience I've ever had. Like I didn't feel like I could hit the, the hole from five feet at Monterey. Uh, and that's kind of what it, it was like a little mini version of that at, at Tory a couple of years ago. So I'm out on Tory for now. Maybe I'll go back there for the U S open or later in my career. Um, I think it just like kind of depends on like most, like there's a, definitely a handful of places I have in my mind that I love, like I'm going to go to every year. And then there's like a handful of places like give or take, like, uh, I mean, it, everything can change. Like you, you win a tournament and you have like two really great weeks and you spend a lot of energy. Like you might need a couple weeks off and you might not play that place that you played the year before because you just need like a little time. Like you just need some time off from the weeks you just played. Um, I mean, I, I think, and then there's other places where maybe you're not playing great leading up to it and you need a good event 
and maybe you play a place that you haven't played it. Uh, to me, it's totally dependent on how you feel, um, how you've played leading up to it, what kind of decision goes into like, okay, do, like I, I played well here last year, but I just played well the last two weeks, had two really good weeks. I could maybe use, I could, I either, I could go win that tournament or I could use an off week. Like it's, it's, it kind of just depends. How's how's this year? You've you've your career on the PGA Tour has had some interesting periods between COVID and now uh, now this year with the live uh, live drama. How's this year uh, been different on tour with with the like kind of live speculation? Um, it's definitely that's it seems like that controls like eighty percent of the conversation. Like anywhere you are, like if you're not talking about it, you see somebody else at a table that you don't know what they're talking about, but you're like ninety percent sure those three guys are talking about something related to live. Like it's like it, it's, I I've kind of like gotten sick of talking about it the last few months. Like I don't care if these guys go. Like go. Like if you're gonna go. Like like okay, good. For, like, I get it. You're making, you, you got offered a, a ton of money that was probably hard to turn down. You have a kid or two and like, you're looking to support your family. Like, I totally understand that. I totally get it. They want the financial stability of it. At least like some of them have come out and said that where like other people have been like, they've like kind of like danced around like what they, what it, they actually went there for. They, yeah, I'm use, I'm going to use the money to like grow the game. Like now you're like, you get, you got a massive offer and you just, you, you wanted all that money. Like just come out and say that like Harold, like I, I liked reading Harold's like, I love Harold. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's leaving. Cause I, he's, he's a good buddy of mine. And, um, but like, I, at least like his letter is like, I'm going to be real with you. Like it's, I, I did it to support my family and future generations of my family. And, and I, I totally get that. I totally understand it. And I like how he said, like, it's still going to be me. I'm this, I'm the same me. I still like want to be friends with all you guys, but I, I, I don't like, as long as these guys, like, I, I think it's kind of annoying that some of these guys are like, they say these things that they, they want to play less and they want to play less and they want to be with their families more. And then they, they go to the live tour and then they want to come play the PGA tour too. Like, I'm like, you said you wanted to play less. Why, why do you want to play the live tour and the PGA tour? You'd be playing way more actually, if you were doing that. So like those, like some people have been kind of talking out both sides of their mouth, which uh, can happen, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm staying on the PGA tour and I'm going to, continue to get better and and win tournaments and i want to play in majors and i want to play against the best players in the world and right now that's still a pga tour is is there anything appealing do you find anything appealing about lives uh system or setup is there anything about it that you you think is is appealing uh i think the team aspect is appealing but maybe not every week like golf Golf is very much an individualized sport outside of a couple events. There's you got the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, and uh, you know those events are very very appealing to me. I don't know if I'd like want to be part of a team event every week. I mean, I guess it it sounds cool. I mean, I don't know. The reason I like golf so much is because it's all like you can you can control everything yourself. I guess you can still do that in a team aspect. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it, the the team part is cool, but um, everything else about it just doesn't even see, like, I don't think I'd be able to, to get up. Like I would go into a PGA tour event. Like, I don't think I'd, my, the juices would be flowing as much if I were playing 
a web event because I know I have a ton of guaranteed money. Even and even if I don't play that well, I'm still making a ton of money. Like I don't think the incentive uh, is that high. Like I have a very high competitive drive, and and I don't. Th I think I would lose some of that if if that were the case. If I were to go play on the live tour for a team event, relying on my teammates, like I don't. I, I'd like to take more accountability myself. What what do you think of as as a player? I you know that is not in you know right now not in the top like you know that that pip type player um but is you know a player that would be kind of in the mix for these elevate like how do you feel about the tour's new response with these elevated events and then you know kind of the it's almost like i i don't want to use this term uh you know too lightly but the PGA Tour A and the PGA Tour B type setup that they're moving towards yeah i mean i know one thing it's uh it's a good time for me to be playing good golf <laughs> um you know i want to be like i said i'm very competitive i want to be playing with the best players of the world and those guys getting better is it has only driven me to keep getting better um so you know it's 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 definitely interesting i think if i didn't have as good of a year i'd be like it'd be I'd be like, man, they're playing for, they're going to play for all that money this year. And I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to get into any of those events. I think it's a good thing that I'm on the other side of that, where I think I don't know the criteria exactly, but it, it seems like I'm going to be in a handful of those bigger elevated purse events. And like I said, like, I don't necessarily play this game for the money. I'm, I, I mean, I, I do do it for a living and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But at, at the same time, like, I told you earlier, I'm just trying to, I'm really just trying to get better. Like, I, I just want to see how good I can get at golf. And it's a good time to, to do that with, with the money that we're playing for with these, these elevated purses. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I, I'm sure there's going to be a handful of tour members that, that don't get into those events are going to be kind of pissed off, but it might motivate them the same way it's motivated me to kind of get their ass into gear. So you do play for those $20 million purses. Yeah. I think it, it, it provides a little bit clearer definition. And and I think like something that I've, I've kind of been on a kick with is like, when I look at the top of the, of the corn Ferry tour and you know, the, the bottom half of the PGA tour, it's like, what's really the difference in, could there be, you know, a, like a, a event you alluded to, like the Sanderson, could we, could it morph into more of like a, a mix between the top corn fairy guys and, and the bottom part of the PGA tour where all of a sudden we're starting to blur the lines and it becomes a little bit more like the way other sports operate, like NBA, you have two way contracts with, with players that, you know, if, if you're not playing a lot on the P on, on, on your team, on your team and your younger guy, you go bit, you could kind of play back and forth between the G league and the NBA. If it's baseball, you're playing triple a and, and, and the major leagues, like you, you're bouncing back and forth. Your status isn't necessarily locked in for an annual basis. I mean, I I'm curious, what, what were, what are your thoughts on that? I thought it was really cool when, so I think what was at the COVID year, whatever year the corner played two years, the, the top 10 guys were able to play like the opposite field events. Is that what it was? I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the top ten, I, I I thought that was really cool, and I think I think they could do more of that. Where say you finish, uh, say you finish, you play four or five events on the Corn Ferry, and you've earned like you're the top five guys in that top five, or well, that would just be the maybe the top five winners, maybe like the top ten guys in that like five week stretch, say you then have the option if you want to, to go play, like you get, you qualify for a tour event or two, like where you're able to play in a couple tour events. I think that would be really cool. Like those guys on the corn ferry that are winning those tournaments and finishing towards the top are obviously playing well. Why not throw them into the mix for a tour event or two and see what, see what they can do. What if they, what if they just jump right on the, right on tour and they, and they have, and they win like right away on tour. Like, I think that would be a way to kind of like, like there could almost be like not graduate, but you play, you play a couple tour events for those 10 guys. And if they don't uh, earn X amount of points, then they go back to the corn ferry. If not, like you're able to play a couple more tour events. I, I don't know how that works, but I think, I think that's, I think it's very interesting. Um, I also don't know, like these top elevated purses with these top players. Like, I don't know how much, say these fields are only like 40, say some of these fields, they make like 40 or 50 people and there's no cut. Like, do you guys really want to watch? Like what if Rory shoots like 75, 73, the first two days. And then he's like in last place and he's forced to play like the weekend. Like, do you guys really want to watch that? Are the ratings higher? Like, wouldn't it be high ratings be higher if you let more people in and somebody, somebody you wouldn't think of. Cause, cause the PGA tour is so deep. I mean, obviously you have the top players, but, you know the the fifty through the one twenty five and even the one I mean, these guys are no they're no slouches they have the ability to win tournaments too like wouldn't it be more interesting to throw in like more guys into those fields so you can maybe have somebody that is mixed in with the top players that somebody wouldn't expect like I feel like ratings are almost higher when that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I Well, I think one of the big things that with the OWGR change is that bigger fields are, are very are advantageous for world ranking points. So with I think one of the things that is, you know, obviously a lot of the details on those elevated events are going to come out in the, in the coming weeks. But it's very advantageous for the PGA Tour to make the elevated event fields big because they will get significantly more world ranking points, which is, you know, what you want. You want the best players on your tour, you know, when they win an elevated point uh, event to get cashed in, you know? Um, so I think that's, I think that will be it. I, I do. I love, you know, the thing that I always think about is like Sung JM and Scotty Scheffler. These were guys that spent an entire year on the, on the corn Ferry tour. I mean, M went wire to wire. Scheffler almost went wire to wire as number one. And then they come on tour. And I think Scheffler's first year, he finished fifth in the FedEx Cup. And I think uh, Sungjae, he made it to Eastlake. And it's like, you know, if I I had spent some time uh, at a couple Corn Ferry events the year Sungjae, I think you were playing Corn Ferry. No, maybe not. Yeah. The year he. The year he won that money list is the year was my first year on tour, but I, I finished 126 to 150. I went back to Corn Ferry Finals and I, I won the Corn Ferry Finals. Me and him were basically in the same category for my second year on tour. It was his first year on tour. Yeah. And and he, you know, you go down and it's like everybody's like, This this kid's a machine. He's unbelievable. And it's like yeah. everybody <laughs> knew 
it's five weeks into the corn Ferry tour season that this guy was a bona fide tour player. Right. Just like give him some events out there to see what he can do. And maybe he can just like earn, like he gets to play for more money that year and he can prove that like, he's going to earn his, his tour card this year as well. Like I, I think there, there, there's an interesting way. Like, I think that could work. Like there, I feel like there could be a system where like, cause like, it's really hard to win three times on the like exactly like that, anywhere. That promotion is like the promotion's ridiculous. Like, but by the time somebody wins three times, it's most likely the very end of the year where they don't get any tour starts. Like, they might get one or two. Like, it should be like it should be a two. It should maybe make you should maybe make that like a two win promotion, or if you hit a certain point threshold by like a certain point in the year or something like that person should be able to go to the tour. Like if you hit like a, an a thousand point threshold where you definitely would have your card locked up, like you should be able to go to the tour or something. I, I, I don't know. There's gotta be. Yeah. I was, I just did the math the, the other day. Cause Pearson Cootie, a uh, young kid from Texas, he, he, he was number one in the PGA tour U system. And so he took the court ferry starts and he and his he he did eight starts in the regular season. He finished like thirty second or something. But like if if you if you made his starts a full season, he would have been first or second on on the Corn Ferry based off his points per start. And it's yeah. like and now he's on the outside looking in at Corn Ferry uh, finals because he's had like a few average weeks. And it's like this is silly. This is you know like no know. nobody can look at this kid and not be like hey. He's a PGA tour, but he might end up on core ferry tour for an entire year. And it's just like, we, you know, this is, it's 2022. We don't need to have like an archaic year by year. You know, there can be some movement throughout the year. Right. And it's almost like the reshuffle uh, is the same thing on the PGA tour. Like, why are there specific reshuffle dates? Like, why can't this just be a continuous reshuffle? Right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. And like, he could, you know, he's probably going to get his seven sponsor events and like, he's, he's going to have a good chance to do something about it. Cause he's probably gonna, he's going to get some sponsor invites into the fall. If he doesn't, if that this is, if he, he doesn't, if he doesn't get it, he's going to get enough sponsor invites where like, he's probably good enough to top 10 where he can, you know, top 10 and one or two of the starts he gets and, and snowball into that into another start. And like, it's probably good enough to do that, but that's like a lot, like you just said, it's kind of ridiculous. Like he, he, he might need, he might potentially need to spend a whole nother year on corn Ferry when like, he's clearly good enough to be on the PGA tour. Yeah. And I think like the discussion goes back to like live where if you want to build loyalty with young, like I, I loved Rory's comment and I think it fits with the way you think about professional golf, where he's like, we want to build the tour that if you want to be the best player in the world, this is where you want to play. You know, it it kind of like, hey, let's get the best players up as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally in for that. That only makes that only that only makes the 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 PGA Tour product bigger and better and stronger. Like that that only you know because the game is just I don't know what the average age is on the PGA Tour, but it's crazy how many guys how good some of these college players are like literally they could just jump into like a tour event or two and just be like, um, like, like content, like contending, like they're, they're right there with some of the top guys, like immediately, which is just crazy. It just, the game of golf is only getting better. It's crazy how deep 
it, it really is because there's so many guys that are trying to play professional golf on so many different platforms. And, but it was just like, there's, it's crazy how many college kids are just coming out and they're just like ridiculously good and they can be on tour like that. It's, I mean, it's like anything and it's only going to get, you know, more and more competitive with live in the, in the additional money of the tours is, is when there's an influx of cash that like Tiger Woods brought an influx of cash to the sport. And whenever, whenever cash gets infused into a sport and, and money, there's a lot of money, the talent pool gets significantly deeper because more people want to play it to, you know, as a, as an Avenue. And, you know, you're, you're lucky you're the, you're in there and you're probably going to be in a lot of these elevated events. You're, I think like in terms of PGA tour, like there's never been a better time to be like a top 50 PGA tour player than right now, because, you know, you have, there are a few of some, a handful of, of the best players in the world have, have vacated and the purses are going up. I know. Yeah. I'm, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's like, it's nice that all these purses are going up and like, to me, it doesn't really, I know I'm going to be playing for more money, but I, that, that, that really doesn't change my mindset of how I'm going to go about it. Because I, I believe at least, I don't know what my world ranking is, but I, I believe that I, I'm right there at that top 50 player in the world type player, like where I'm close to kind of getting up to that next notch of guys that were at the tour championship, like that top 30 ish. Like to me, if you make it to, if you make it to the tour championship, you're, you're a top 30 player in the world. Like you're, you're, you're that caliber type of player where you're, you could be regarded as a top 30 player in the world. Um, it's also like, you talked about Rory. Like I've, I've, I got to play with him at the players this year. And I mean, with everything he dealt with this year, how much he took it upon himself to be like, like a, just take that role on of being the PGA tour spokesperson basically and play the golf that he plays like incredibly impressive. Like I'm always, I'm always, you know, he's been a big fan of, I've been a big fan of his for forever and he's in my locker space area most weeks. McElroy, McCarthy. So I, <laughs> I didn't think about that. He's such a he's such a cool dude. Uh, so I I want to congratulate him on winning the FedEx Cup. Is he going to be your player of the year vote? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Scotty. Scotty obviously had an unbelievable year. Scotty won four times, big tournaments, and was there. Was right there and and several other big tournaments, including another major too. Um, I think Scotty is probably the player of the year, but I, I looked at something the other day, like Rory, Rory strokes gains were slightly better this year than the year in 2014. Yeah. When he won that, he, he went on like that ridiculous one. He what he won Valhalla WGC Bridgestone, and then won the British open, like just rattled off like three monster tournaments that year. Um, which just shows how like deep professional golf is and how good it is. Like his strokes gain, he still won a couple times this year, but he didn't win. He didn't win a major. And, and, and like, it's just, like you said, this is the, this is the best time to be on tour. Like this is, I mean, arguably like arguably the, the best the game has ever been in terms of how many guys are at the top of the world, like at the top of their game right now, it's, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, you you look at it like a guy like Adam Scott who's who I I think like, you know, 
in terms of Adam Scott, he's he's played a lot of he's been a great player for a long time. And he, you know, I think he even admitted maybe on the No Laying Up podcast, like he play, he was playing some of his best golf right before the pandemic. And it's like he played he had a really good back half of his year. And he's just like he's like a guy. He's not like one of the guys anymore, but he's playing golf at a level that's probably pretty similar to when he was one of the guys. And now. You know, and and I think that's like I the game. It's what you talked about with the instruction. Like the instructions change so much. And I think with I I did an interview with Jeff Ogilvie, and he said, you know, he he lived through that TrackMan era change, right? Where and I think he had this great quote that was like, you know, it used to be everybody would walk around the range and say, I think I figured it out. And now it's everybody walks around the range and knows exactly what, what to do. Like there's no, you know, and, and I think like that's led. And then with all the youth, I mean, the speed and the youth talent, it, it, it's just insane levels right now. It, it really is. It's just growing. Like every aspect you just mentioned just keeps growing. And the younger kids understanding of like how to use the technology, like they, they're, they know it, they're dialed. Like their numbers are dialed. Like, I can't like we, I started to use TrackMan in college a little bit and I, I, I use it now too. I use it a lot for looking at, you know, wedge, wedge numbers, short irons, uh, like really dialing in those distances. And then like, I still look at numbers for driver and stuff, but I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not, not, no, I'm not a tech guru and I'm not like obsessed with the numbers, which mm-hmm. it's like what I, for what I am using it for, it's perfect for me. Like I like to try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, there's some people that are like, they look at all the numbers, like spin loft, dynamic loft, spin out, like all this stuff. I mean, they're, they're like, they're studying this stuff to a science, which is they're trying to figure, you know, trying to use it to make them better. But sometimes that can be too much for some people. Yeah. Well, Denny, thank you so much. I don't want to take up all your time. Uh, we're, we'll be looking forward to seeing you next year, uh, at, more and more big events and uh hopefully hopefully another career year and uh and uh thanks so much and we'll talk uh, again soon i'm sure yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it andy thank you for listening to another edition of the fried egg podcast Today's episode was edited by the always great Meg Atkins. Thank you, Meg. As a quick reminder, we have been putting a lot of time and energy into the newsletter. It is free. It is sent every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, we've kind of reformatted it. It's a mixture of news and perspective uh, written by everybody on the Friday staff. So to sign up, go to thefriday.com. And just simply hit the subscribe button there. Enter your email and uh, and you'll be in. You'll be getting free golf content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. Thank you. And we will be back next week with more episodes of the Fried Egg Podcast.